So thank you, Jesus, for a dynamic group of people. Thank you for joining us on what would be considered an off night. Thank you that your presence is here. Thank you for healing our brother. Thank you for healing Joe Fletcher. Thank you, Father, that you are in this place and you are speaking to us. So we open our hearts to you tonight and we ask that you would let your word come alive inside of us without any interruption. We tear down hindrances in Jesus' name. We knock over distractions in Jesus' name. And we focus our hearts on you because your word is everything that we need for this next 30 minutes. We receive it so that it can go to work inside of us in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, so it's time to start winning the battle and I'm going to add to that for the soul. Okay? So I'm going to try to finish tonight at 7:30. I don't plan to go a long time that way parents can go get their children. Um as you know, we are a church that believes in deliverance. We we believe in deliverance, we preach deliverance, we push deliverance. But we are also a church that believes in um, maintaining your deliverance, discipleship, discipline, okay? So um, we want, I want to make sure to get across tonight that if you're going to maintain the freedom that Jesus has given you, you're going to have to discipline yourself and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Winning the battle for the soul is going to fall more on us than we like to talk about because Jesus did it all, but so many times our freedom is lost because we don't pick up the authority that belongs to us. And it takes discipline to pick up that authority because sometimes we just want to say, God, do it all for me. And he's like, I already did, okay? So I'm going to talk tonight. It's time for us to start winning the battle, and it's chances are the ball is in our court, and we need to be doing what I'm going to call tonight as maintenance. Everybody say maintenance. Okay, so last week I took my car to Eric at Chuck's Auto Sales. It had been taking seven people back and forth to baseball games in the rain, in the cold. Uh, it had chips and snacks and chocolate and all this stuff eaten in it and flossers. And, I mean, you, you take a long trip with seven people in it and you're, you're snacking, you're eating, you're flossing all the snacks out of your teeth. I mean, water bottles left in there. It was just, it was dirty. It was dirty. And it's a great car. It's a good car, but it had been heavily trafficked in and out. It, it had been heavily used. Okay, so I took it to Eric, and Eric cleaned it up. He had it pristine. He had it shining. He wiped it within. He wiped it without, and I got that car back, and I'm like, oh, I love this car. This is what this car can be like. <laughs> this is what was under all of that, and so I was like, I really, you know, once it was clean, I was like, I want to take care of this baby. I want to take care of this thing. And so tonight, as I or today as I was preparing the lesson, my mind went to that. Eric did a deliverance work on my car. He cleaned up all the trash and kicked it out. He wiped all the dirt. He, he dealt with all of the, the junk that was in it. And when I went to pick my car up, it was clean. It was ready to go. It was empty of all the junk in it, okay? Now, I've had it for a good eight or nine days. And guess what was necessary? Me maintaining what he did. The same for our souls, okay? The soul is, everybody say, the mind, the will, and the emotions, Okay, I really want you to soak this in because I want you to be able to apply this to your own life or be able to help somebody else. So, Eric did a deliverance work, and when Jesus does a freeing work inside of you, the power of Jesus moves into your life, and he kicks out the fear, or he strips off that coat of heaviness, and he wipes you clean of that spirit of rejection. And every time we're in a deliverance session, people say, 
I feel so light. Like I feel like a weight has been lifted. And we send them home clean. Okay? But what we don't have time to tell them in the deliverance session is now is your responsibility. You have to do some maintenance. I have to, when I take a water or a coffee or whatever in my car with me to work, when I get home and I get out of my car, if I don't get this thing out, it's going to stay. And I can just leave the junk in there every time I get in with a water I can leave it. Every time I get in with a coffee, I can leave it. Every time I open a, a, a piece of gum, which I did on the way here, and I put it in the cup holder, and I leave it, and I just think, oh, well, when it gets so bad that I can't handle it, I'll just take it back to Eric. And if we don't watch it, we'll do that. We'll just let our minds take in every ugly thought, and we'll just let our lives be exposed to all the things of this world, and we just let it hang on us, and we just let it move in us, and we just let it uh, dwell in our thoughts, and we think, well, when it gets bad enough, I'll just go back to deliverance. You won't ever win the battle for your soul if you don't maintain the freedom that Jesus Christ has given us, okay? So the soul is, everybody say it with me again, the mind, the will, and the the and the emotions all right so as wonderful as deliverance is as wonderful as the power of the Holy Spirit is as wonderful as the refreshing of God's presence is it does not do away with our responsibility for maintenance okay so we are going to tonight talk about what is our responsibility. How many of you have assets at home that require maintenance? I'm telling you, we bought an RV from Billy and Annette Kimbrell, and we were so glad to get that thing, but they did not tell us that an RV is constant maintenance. Is it not constant maintenance? I am telling you, and then uh, we bought a boat, and they didn't tell us, this boat is constant maintenance. When the winter comes, you better winterize it, or that booger, you're going to get it out to the lake, like we did, and it won't, it won't crank. And, we're, and you're going to have people in it, like we did, and it won't crank, like it didn't. So maintenance, we are right now doing maintenance on our house. If you buy real silver, you got to do maintenance on that real, real silver. So any asset that's worth having requires maintenance. Freedom is an asset that requires maintenance. Your soul is an asset that requires maintenance, okay? So we're going to discuss this one area um, of maintenance. Everybody say soul maintenance. Soul. See, you got to do some maintenance. <laughs> yeah. That, that was part of the lesson. Everybody get it? There you go. <laughs> Perfect, perfect plan. <laughs> I really think I don't have to have it. It's okay. Soul maintenance, okay? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures tonight. Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, he doesn't say we don't wrestle. He says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So when he tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, what he's actually saying is we wrestle. We wrestle, but we just don't wrestle flesh. We just don't wrestle people with flesh and blood. We are wrestling things, even though those spirits might be operating through people, the people are not our enemy this is what we're wrestling. Brother Bill, if you will go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren, thank you, baby. Maybe I just work, maybe I just write too hard. Finally, oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> Here we, here's the, the litmus test. Ah, okay. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18. Paul tells us, finally, my brethren, be strong. Everybody say, be strong. But he doesn't just say, be strong on your own. He tells you where to be strong. Be strong, everybody say, in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then he tells us, put on the whole armor of God that you, watch here, may be able to stand. So that shows you right there. If he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, that means there's something trying to get you off your feet, right? Otherwise, he, I mean, you wouldn't even talk about needing to stand if something wasn't trying to knock your feet out from under you, okay? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but... That but right there shows us we wrestle all right. So look over to your friend and say, we wrestle. It's a wrestling match. And this is what we wrestle against. Against principalities. Everybody say principalities. Principalities are demons that rule over territories. Okay, so you look at principality, what's that root word? Prince. Okay. Against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Everybody answer this question. What do rulers do? Rulers rule. Okay? So you're in a wrestling match with things that are used to ruling, and they're planning to rule you. And against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So I want to establish these four truths. Okay? Number one. You are in a wrestling ring. You are. Number two, you do have opponents. Number three, those opponents are not people. Number four, therefore you can't fight those opponents with tangible weapons. Okay? I'm going to say them again. You are in a wrestling ring. You do have an opponent or opponents. Your opponent is, is not a person. It, it, may be, it may feel like a person attacking you, but there is a spirit operating through that person. Your spouse is not your enemy. <laughs> Number four, therefore, you can't fight this opponent with tangible weapons. All right, Brother Bill, if you will play that video for me. This is what we are doing spiritually. This is what you have to recognize. This is going on for your soul. Some, this is going on in your mind. So when you feel like, man, it's such a struggle, it's because you have rulers doing that to your mind. Because you have rulers planning to do that to your emotions, okay? So that is what we have been placed into. We are in a wrestling ring. So if we get up in the morning and we expect everything to be easy, that's going to take us by surprise. But if you wake up every morning knowing that there are rulers of darkness in the ring with you, that there are principalities in the ring with you, that there's spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places in your country in the ring with you. Then you wake up knowing that's what I've got to face today. Now I got to get ready for it. All right? And if we knew what was waiting for us every morning when we got up, we would want to be close to Jesus Christ. We would want the Holy Spirit empowering us. We would want it, but the problem is we get our minds on only what we see. Okay? So therefore, this is a whole different lesson in itself, but I think I'll share it. We walk out. We don't put on the armor of God. We walk out surrounded by principalities, 
rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And we don't see them, so therefore we don't dress for them. And we don't put on the whole armor of God. And so we walk out spiritually naked. And if you get a woman that walks out on the highway, spirit, not spiritually, but physically naked, the chances of her being raped are extremely high. And when you get up and you walk out into the world and into that spiritual wrestling ring and you have on spiritual lingerie trying to wear as little as you can wear, you're going to be appealing to the enemy. Okay? So when you, you got to think about it. When I get up and all the Christians that are saying, well, I just want to know what's the least that I can do. My dad brought up the thief on the cross. And I want to say, why are you asking Why are you asking? Because if you're trying to figure out the least that you can do, then you are trying to put on the least amount that you can put on and see how it works when you walk out in spiritual lingerie. See what the enemy will do. So for Covenant Church, we're not a legalistic church, nor are we a works-based church, but this is one thing we're also not. We are not looking to see what little we can put on and what little we can do. We are not looking for a huge, valued eternity and trying to, what's it called when you like, trying to bargain with God and say, well, I'll give you this. I mean, will you come down a little bit? No. We're not looking to see what little we can do, okay? So, that wasn't even in my notes. So, do not argue with people that say, well, if I'm in an airplane, like my dad said, or, you know, if, what about the thief on the cross? Don't argue with them. You just say, I'm not going to argue with you, but I'm just going to ask you one question. Why are you asking? Because if your motive for asking is to see what little you can get by with, then help yourself and let me know how it works out. But I'm not willing to take that test. I mean, if God is holding up something beautiful and powerful for me, why would I try to see if I can get along without it? Okay? All right. So, we are in the ring of the soul. I have found that one of the enemy's favorite places to wage war, that wrestling ring, Brother Bill, if you'll put it back up, one of his favorite wrestling rings is in the mind. And the toughest thing for some of us, or for Christians, I'm going to say, to grasp, is that not only have we been given the authority to defeat the enemy, We've been given the responsibility, okay? So with authority comes responsibility, all right? So Luke 10, let's look at our authority. That's something worth writing down. With authority comes responsibility. You want to be a dad? There's a lot of authority with a dad, but oh, the responsibility. You want to be a mom? There's so much authority, you get to tell that two-year-old what to do, but then you have to tell that two-year-old what to do, okay? So, for however much authority you've been given, there is an equal amount of responsibility with that authority. Luke 10 and 18 verses, or through 18 through 19, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, and behold, I give you the authority. Behold, I give you the authority. Now, if I want to give this to Frankie, if I, I mean, like right now, I haven't given it to him, have I? I haven't, it's, it's giving once I let go. So if Jesus has given us the authority, he gave us the baton. His hands aren't on it. He said, behold, I give you. Now, remember, if I give you this marker, take it. I can't give him the marker. I'll just give you a funny example. People, Jeremy and I have owned rent houses through the years, and man, those renters that would hold the money out, 
and not take their hand off it, of it and talk to us for 30 minutes and we're like, buddy, I'm not interested in the conversation. I just want your rent. <laughs> but I can't walk away from the conversation because they haven't given Okay, so he said, behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. How huge is the next line? And over. Everybody say over. Okay, put that video back up, um, and I'll quote the rest of this. And over. When you think about being in the ring and you are over your opponent. He said, I give you the power over. He says, over all. How big of a word is all? How inclusive is all? He said, over all the enemy. You, you can go back, Brother Bill. Over all the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. He gave us the authority. But that means with the authority comes responsibility on our part. Okay? Um... This goes hand in hand with it. Romans 16 and 20, Paul says it this way. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Okay? Now, Jesus said, behold, I give you the authority to trample. What does trample require? Feet. And, and then Paul comes around and says, the Lord will crush Satan under your feet. Okay? So that's our authority. Now, let's talk about responsibility. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. For though, oh, and I got these out, I'm sorry, let me go back to the beginning. Verse 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. All right, that goes with what Paul said in Ephesians. We walk in the flesh, but we're not warring according to the flesh. So quit putting your dukes up to people. You're not going to kill. You're not going to destroy the enemy with your carnal ways of fighting. Okay? So we don't war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, that means we got to pull them down. Casting down arguments, that means we got to cast them down. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Wait a minute, where's knowledge? In the mind. Uh-oh, Jesus said, I give you the authority to trample, which means get the enemy under your feet. But here we see Paul talking about we have to have weapons that cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So where is that taking place? In our head. So the enemy knows he belongs under our feet. And his mode of operation is to get in your head so strong that you are either too tired, too weary, or too ignorant, or too lazy <laughs> to get him out of your head and into under your feet. That's our responsibility, and I'm going to show you how to do that tonight. So we have to, it says... Um, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So the enemy is bombarding people's minds because look here. <laughs> he belongs, according to Jesus, under our feet, right? But when he is in our minds, then that means we're under his feet, right? If he's in my head, somebody's on top. Okay? Let me hurry. So somebody's on, on top. So right now, I'm Brienne, and I'm operating in the authority Jesus gave me, and I've got the enemy under my feet. But if I don't recognize the authority that I've got, 
Now let's act like um, I'm Satan. Come on, Julio. Just stand right there. So then if I can get in Julio's head, the ruler is at the top. The ruler is at the top. And where do rulers want to be? At the top. So if I can get in his head, then that means my foot is on him. And that's not where, that is not the position God has called us to live in. Thank you, Julio. So we have to use the weapons that we have been given to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, this is our responsibility. I want you to read this with me. If you'll go back to that 2 Corinthians. You see authority, but now you're going to see responsibility. Let's start at bringing. Everybody read this with me. Bringing every thought into captivity. Wait. Who's, who's supposed to do that? Us. That's responsibility. He gave us the authority to trample on the enemy. And now Paul is telling us our responsibility. The enemy's going to come against your head because the enemy knows it's either you under his feet or him under your feet. What's he opting for? So he's going for your head. He's going for your thoughts. He's going for your emotions. He's headed for your will. Okay? So we have to, our responsibility is we have to bring every thought into captivity. Everybody just do like this for a second. Like you just reach up and just grab it and catch it. Now, one thing he does not tell us to do. He does not say, run to the enemy and say, you better quit telling me that stuff. You better quit sending those thoughts my way. You better quit sending that temptation my way or my daddy's going to get you. He says, no, the enemy's going to throw the thoughts. The enemy's going to throw the darts. It's a given. It's a constant. It's going to happen. You got to take them captive. You got to stop the thoughts. So quit feeling like nobody should feel like something's wrong with them when intrusive thoughts come their way. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I battle intrusive thoughts that I've had to learn how to see? Everybody thought they were the only one. And you're like, where did that thought come from? I have no idea where that came from. I can tell you where it came from. It came straight from the enemy. And you can't help the intrusive thought that the enemy throws your way. But you can sure help what you do with it. And you can sure help how long you let it sit there. you got to cast down those arguments. You've got to cast down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Man, I'm not going to be finished by 7.30. Mario, I apologize. I thought I could get this done so fast. Jesus, help me. Okay, you got to bring every thought. Are y'all learning? Okay, you have to bring every thought into captiv captivity where? To the obedience of Christ. So you take that thought and say, listen here, sucker, you're going to obey Christ. Listen here, thought, that's against the knowledge of God, and you're going to obey Christ because you are not going to sit in my mind. So here's how you're going to obey Christ. Go in the name of Jesus. Okay? You bring those thoughts captive under the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience, getting, being ready to get that enemy under your feet and say, you should have left me alone. Because not only am I getting control of my life, I'm taking my family back. I'm taking my whatever back. You fill it in. All right. So now let's go back to Ephesians. So Paul tells us more in Ephesians chapter 6. More responsibility. So everybody understands the first one is we have to, we have to captivate those thoughts. They're never going to quit coming. The enemy's never going to leave you alone. But you, you will get stronger. So I guess I could have called this lesson like um, it's, it's time to develop 
strength in our mind gates. I don't know. I was kind of thinking, I see our mind as a gate. And when we're not used to taking every thought captive, then our gate is broken down and it's weak and it's, it's corroded and, and the enemy just comes in and out of our minds as much as he wants to. And then we have to almost do like physical therapy. We got to strengthen that. We got to strengthen that. Like we have to, for a little while, actually really be vigilant to evaluate every thought that's coming into our minds. And your mind, the, the, your, the gate of your mind will get stronger where you quit allowing the enemy. Like, you're not going to have to fight this hard forever. Why? Because you're going to get stronger, and he's not. So, Ephesians, back to Ephesians, and I'm not sure what verse, brother. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. How many of you believe you're living in the evil day? And having done all, so that you may be able to stand. And then he tells us what to put on. Put on truth. Put on righteousness. What is righteousness? Right standing with God. Put on the gospel. Pick up the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So not only are we in a wrestling ring, our opponent has fiery darts. Our opponents have fiery darts. And what do you think those darts are? Thoughts, words. And take the helmet of salvation. So when he says take the helmet of salvation, that means the helmet of salvation is not taken for us. Okay? So if he says take, let's go back to Frankie. So if he says, somebody tells me, hey, go take that pen from, go take that marker from Frankie then it's up to me, right? I have to put forth the effort. It's my responsibility. I go get, I have to get the marker. So he says, take the helmet of salvation. That means it's going to sit there if we don't take it, if we don't apply it. What is salvation? Sozo. Greek sozo. That means healed, delivered, set free, made whole. You take the helmet of healing you take the helmet of delivered deliverance. You take the helmet of being set free, and you take the helmet of wholeness, and you put that on your mind. So you say, well, what does that look like? That looks like Philippians 4 and 8. Paul gives us the helmet of salvation. You put on... He calls it the helmet of salvation. I'm going to call it right now a filter. Everybody knows what a water filter does, right? A water filter holds out the impurities and lets the good go through. So the helmet of salvation, I want everybody to grab your phone and make this list. I thought I was going to write scriptures, but I haven't done it. So, Philippians 4, let's go back to 6. Be anxious for nothing. Where's anxiousness happening in your mind? But in everything by prayer, that's responsibility, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. That's a responsibility verse, okay? And here's God's part. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, this is your authority, will guard your hearts and your what? And your minds. Through Christ Jesus, okay? Verse 8, here's the helmet of salvation. It's a filter for your mind. Finally, brethren, we're going to make a list. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are are lovely. Whatever things are of good report, if there's virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy. What's the next word? Where does meditate take place? In your mind. 
okay? So when the enemy comes and he bombards you with thoughts, the helmet of salvation operates like a filter. And until you get strong enough in the Lord, and until the gates of your mind get strong enough, you need to filter it through every one of these. Is it true? Well, I'll tell you, if it goes against the Word of God, it can never be true. Okay? Is it noble? Noble means high moral quality, superior in quality. Is it superior in quality? Is it of high moral standard? Well, then I can't think on it. Even if it's true, it, it's not, does it qualify to any one of these? It is, everybody say, all or none. All or none. All or none. So if it does not pass the, pass the smell test on true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, praiseworthy, take it captive, kick it out. It may be true, but it's not pure. It may be true, but it ain't a good report. And so it might be true like this. You can tell me and Jeremy, well, do you know where you were just such and such years ago? Just at such and such place? Don't you remember who you were? Oh, and we could think, oh, that's so true. I guess we could never, I guess, I guess we just got to quit. I guess we can't keep pastoring because that's a true statement, Satan. It's really true. But it's not a good report. And it's not just because I've been, we've been justified. So therefore, we can't sit and meditate on every thought that comes our way. All right? We've been given, everybody say this, authority and responsibility. God is not lacking in his authority. It's just that we are lacking in our responsibility. And what is responsibility? It's this. It is response to God's ability. It is our response to Christ's ability. And when we don't respond to his ability he's given us, then we are not walking in responsibility. See that? So when we don't walk in responsibility, then that means our response to the ability that he has given us is no. It's no. All right? In times like this, to not respond is a response. Man, I got to admit, if I send you a text that says, hey, do you want to go out to eat with me today? and I see that you read it, and you don't respond, you told me no. Like, you say you didn't respond, but you told me no. Why? Because you didn't respond. So when we don't respond to the authority, which is the ability God has equipped us with, we're telling him no. And the problem is not in his ability or in the authority he gave us, it's in our response. Okay? Last thing. Uh, let me take more notes. Okay, so we've got this, right? Let me just kind of do this. So here's what we got to do. Let's make it applicable. Ooh. Where is it? Oh, here. I'm trying to finish. Oh, I got to let y'all out. Okay. So here's what you do. Are you learning, Adam? Good deal. Number one, you got to recognize the thought. You got to recognize the thought. You got to identify it. So when it comes, you got to think, uh oh, let me pay attention to what I normally would just keep thinking on this, but let me recognize. Okay? 
And if it doesn't line up, then you reject it. Okay? It doesn't line up with all of these. Then I reject it. Okay? And then replace it. This is where the victory is. All right? So I want everybody that has somebody in your life that their mind is the battlefield. And if the battle, if the mind is your battlefield right now, then it is your responsibility to get Satan under your feet. He's in your head. He is, he is over you. He's going to stay there. You won't outweigh him, okay? Put on the helmet of salvation. Put on this filter, okay? Recognize what he's presenting to you. If it does not line up with the word of God, then reject it. And when you reject it, replace it. Well, what are you going to replace it with? The Word of God. So what does that mean? Look over to your friend and say, dig in the Word. Here's the thing. So many times, let's keep talking about this spiritual lingerie. We want to walk around and we're like, we don't even recognize the thought because we don't know enough of the Word of God to, to know if that thought is, is real or valid or not. And the enemy can make his voice sound like your own voice. And you'll think you're just thinking it. And the enemy can make his voice sound like God's voice. I mean, in the very beginning, he twisted God's words just enough to deceive Eve, okay? So don't lean on your own understanding. No, we've got to get, we've got to get hungry for the word of God so we can recognize if it's true or not, Okay? We can't walk around just recognizing and rejecting, recognizing and rejecting, recognizing and rejecting. You won't be able to get over the threshold into victory if you don't replace it. All right? So, very common, very common lie the enemy tells. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. You don't deserve. You don't deserve. You, you don't deserve. You don't deserve to ever. You're, you're not worthy of love. You're not worthy of a relationship. You're not worthy of the Holy Spirit. You're not worthy of friendships. And you know what? People just, we take it hook, line, and sinker when we don't recognize that it doesn't line up with the Word of God. So you recognize, uh-oh, I just heard some teaching, and that's not a good report, and that's not even true. And here's, so I, I'm rejecting that thought that I am not worthy in the name of Jesus, and now I replace it with this. No, I'm not worthy, but the blood of Jesus is perfect and worthy, and I am redeemed, not by my own worthiness, not by my own works, but I am redeemed by the priceless, spotless, powerful blood of the Lamb. Okay? And that's how you will win the battle for the soul. Have I given you applicable instructions, something you can take home and put to work? Everybody say the R's with me one last time as you stand. Recognize, reject, and replace. Okay? If you need a good place to start in the Word of God, Start in the book of John, start in the Psalms, start in Proverbs, either of those. Excellent places to start, okay? Everybody lift your hands as if you're receiving. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is quick, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit. And that's what we need tonight, Lord. Let your word go down to the dividing of our soul and our spirit, and let it quicken every one of us in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would strengthen the weary. Father, I pray that um, that you would give every one of us a hunger, a hunger for your word. And as they read your word, as we read your word, Lord, let it come alive because it is alive. You are your word and let it absolutely bear fruit inside of us. Let it stick in our hearts. Give us a craving for it and a hunger for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Everybody say amen. All right. Y'all are dismissed. If you have children at the pool, 
head on there because they're about to close. And if you don't have children at the pool, meet our, our new brother. <laughs>